You're listening to the Dark Depths Podcast. We would love if you could take a minute out of your day to follow the Dark Depths Podcast on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to our show, or just tell a friend. If you feel up to it, you can also give us a donation on PayPal or support us on Patreon. Don't feel like you have to, though. Our show is always going to be free. That's all the announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dark Depths Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the man on the hunt himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I'm feeling refreshed. How are you? Not feeling too bad myself. I don't know about refreshed, though. I did get a, a good couple hours of sleep last night, but refreshed is a strong term. Yeah, I mean, I got the best sleep I got uh, in a couple days last night, so therefore, I am refreshed. Nice. Had pancakes. I've been craving pancakes for like a week. Ooh. But I've been too lazy to make them. Chocolate chip, blueberry, what are you doing? No, just normal plain pancakes. Undoing for the like two hours I spent at the gym. Just down the drain <laughs> immediately. Yeah. I think if you can if you can't live a life that enjoy that includes eating pancakes, it's probably just not worth that lifestyle. I mean I agree. But yeah. Well, it's actually was it for people at home. Um, this is like day two of two of me seeing you or you know, talking to you, whatnot. Right? We we were at a a good friend of ours' wedding yesterday. So, um, congratulations to Zach. I know he listens occasionally. So, congrats to him. Um, it was good. We actually got to see a bunch of different Magic players there as well. Yeah, no actual Magic played though. Very disappointing. <laughs> we would have had such a good team draft if we had. <laughs> Brought packs along. People keep trying to get me to team draft. I've, I've never team drafted. And I, I don't think I'm particularly interested in trying it. But I also, mm-hmm. at the same time, know that people love it. So like I kind of feel like I have to try it at some point. I, like, I like limited. Yeah, I mean, it's limited. It's You get to trash talk your friends. And, you know, we I usually do it where, like, you know, the... Losers buy the packs for the winners, and the winners take all, right? So, um, it's like a very fun, low-stakes way to gamble. Like, I feel like if you're willing to do, like, pack wars, this is essentially just pack wars with actual skill. I mean, I guess. I don't know. Just the mechanics behind Team Draft just don't sound super exciting to me. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, for, for people at home who don't, who haven't done team draft before. Essentially, it's a three-on-three draft. Uh, you and the opposing team alternate people in um, the draft order. Um, you each open three packs, and, you know, it's all left, right, left. That doesn't change at all. Um, but because it's three-on-three, you are... And you're always drafting into or from an opponent. So, essentially, besides the card that you open and you take for first pick, your opponents have the ability to figure out what your entire deck is. Um, you can try to figure out what colors your opponents are going to be um, based on what you're passing them as well. And then you can try to see what, try to figure out what your teammate two to the left or two to the right is actually going to be on based on that information as well. So you're trying to like ship cards down to your opponents 
but also like there's going to be a bunch of good cards if you're in the blue white flyers deck and your person to your right is in the red black sacrifice deck there's a good chance that that blue white bomb's not going to make it to you because they know you're probably in blue or white and they don't want to chance it so there's a lot of like leveling that goes on in in a team draft but it's i mean i've only done it uh, four or five times um but they usually end up being really really cool games not convinced We'll we'll have to try it some at some point. I feel like me, you, and Ian would have a good time. I mean, I just like playing Magic, so I probably would. But yeah. I wouldn't be happy about the good time I was having. I want that now. I, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, did you were you up to anything else this weekend? I mean, like you already said, the wedding was. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, not much. Just relaxing around the house, getting some stuff taken care of. My wife was away, so trying to make sure things are nice and taken care of for her return. Good. That's always good. I mean, I failed, but I tried. (laughs) I feel like it's hard to take care of a household with just one person. I feel like there's a lot of things that like kind of slip through the cracks when you're not... When it's not two people, when it's normally two people, like, there's always one thing that my wife does. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that needed to be done so often. Um, like, you know, we have dehum or humidifiers. There we are, um, and my wife changes those very periodically. And I, I don't, I'm not here when she does it, so I didn't really notice that. And if she's away for a weekend, right, I, I miss the opportunity to change it. So it, it's definitely challenging. I'm glad you mentioned that because I need to clean mine today, and that was a good reminder. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm not up to too much either. I'm rereading through um, Joe Dyer's doing a D&D project. So I am reading through his uh, his work. Um, it should be coming out in the next two weeks or so. So if you're interested in um, a really fun, I think really unique adventure, um, definitely check that out. I think it'll be on the uh, Adventurer's Guild, I think it's what it's called. Um so you can you know, download it for free, check it out. I, I think it's a really neat adventure. I'm planning on running it um, for some people during the summer. So I definitely let you know how it is um, You know, w- when we actually play through it. I think, I think they're going to really enjoy it. And then, you know, based off how much I've read about it and how much, you know, some small things have changed, um, I just think it provides a lot of replayability, too. So, like... I have an idea how it went, and I've, I've kind of, like, talked through some some parts of it with my wife. Um, but she but she even was like, oh, I wonder what happened if we did this. And I'm like, I don't know. So I think when we actually run the adventure um, and she's a part of it, I think she'll be like, I think we should do this instead just to see what kind of what happens. Well, hopefully it's a fun time. The, the most D&D, the closest I've come to playing D&D is watching, uh, like, the community episode about it. Or the Dexter's Lab episode about it. I, I was it uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, I forget what the other the second one is. I, gotcha, love that show. Very good show. I've been thinking about doing a rewatch, but I just know there's so many shows that I want to watch that I have not gotten to yet. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. try some of those out first. I mean, the Owl House is just calling your name, buddy. Yeah. I was, uh, depending on what time we were going to end up recording, I was like, okay, maybe I'll have time to watch an episode of that beforehand. Um, but mm-hmm. then I played piano instead. 
which I think was a great yeah. use of my time. I think so too. I feel like even I haven't heard you playing piano in a while, so. Well, I don't think you've ever heard me play piano. So. Well, yeah, but I usually usually when you play instruments, you say, "Oh, I was playing viola yesterday," or something like that. I didn't. I haven't heard you say, "I was playing piano the other day" in a while. Uh, I've actually been playing a lot of music lately. You should see. Okay. Uh, you should see my basement. I've got like. All the instruments lined up. I had uh, somebody come out to give us a quote on waterproofing things. And mm-hmm. just like his first comment as he was leaving was like, man, you have a lot of instruments. It's like, you didn't even see them all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's just the basement instruments. <laughs> but that's not even the ones I like. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's talk about some magic then. Uh, there is, I feel like, a lot of different decks this week and rather than talk about you know how good is blue red delver let's talk about how good living end is is murktide too good for legacy like okay let's let's talk about some things i think that are really unique uh, about the formats um especially i think right now there's a lot of interesting decks in legacy that we've seen in the past couple weeks but also i think in, in modern there's a couple decks that we've that have been updated or changed with Nuka Penna that we haven't really gotten to catch up on. So I thought that would be a good place to start. Um, let's start with this deck that you actually, I know, have been working on a little bit. Um, it is a mono-black deck. Um, it won a challenge. It's playing Dark Ritual, but it's not playing, like, Fraxy Negator or Hippie. Like, what? Tell, tell me about mono-black depth. It's funny, the way you introduced that just felt like an old uh, dating show, like, contestant number one is... <laughs> uh, but anyways, so, Model Black Depths is a very cool deck. Um, I don't know who originally started playing it. I know Tony Murata, aka Into Play, has been putting a lot of work into the deck. I'm not sure if it was like his creation or if he saw it somewhere else. Um, but yeah, what it is is it's a uh, it's mono black uh, depths deck, um, and so you're playing like your dark depths, your thespian sage, your Orborg, um, and then you kind of have Urza sagas too because your mana can support it because you have the Urborg, um, and then obviously you're playing your vampire hex mage, playing dark confidant like the deck used to, playing a bunch of discard, and then also Dothy Voidwalker in the main, mm-hmm. just kind of as a good card. But it's a, it's a pretty fun deck. It's pretty sweet. Um, and then you can sideboard into the Leyline of the Void plus a Helm of Obedience package, which complements the main deck, Dothy Voidwalker, very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I... You know, if, for those who haven't seen Helm of Obedience, um, it was popular a little bit, I want to say, uh, five years ago. It was a little more popular with Rest in Peace, where we kind of saw it commonly played with, and occasionally with Leyline of the Void. Our, our friend Zach, who we actually mentioned before, uh, topied it a Eternal Weekend, actually playing a Helm of Obedience, Leyline of the Void deck, uh, like a Tetherator build. Um, this one, if you haven't seen this, it's a four-mana artifact. Um, it has X and tap. Target opponent puts cards from the top of his or her library into his or her graveyard until a creature card or X card's are put into the graveyard this way, whichever comes first. If a creature card is put into that graveyard this way, sacrifice Helm of Obedience and put that card into the battlefield under your control. X can't be zero. 
the, which you end up seeing a lot of times um, when you are pairing it with something like a Leyline of the Void or Rest in Peace that doesn't actually put cards into your graveyard, but instead moves them to exile, is that Helm of Obedience um, for one mana, when it targets your opponent, it just waits until a creature or <laughs> or one card goes into your graveyard. Since nothing's going into your graveyard, it just mills out your entire opponent. And I think it's really interesting, too, just because we... I'm used to seeing it with the Leyline of the Void or Rest in Peace, but you got, I guess you do have some extra redundancy here with the main deck Voidwalkers. Yeah. And Voidwalker is just a good card in the format. Uh, you know, we kind of alluded to Blue Red Delver earlier, and this card's really good against that deck. Yes, it dies to Lightning Bolt, so obviously there's a point of weakness there, but the Blue Red deck really is, in a lot of ways, a graveyard deck. Sounds like a weird thing to say since none of the cards really say graveyard on them necessarily. Mm -hmm. But you know, you need your delirium for dragon's rage channeler, you need your graveyard to delve for the murktide regent. So, as long as this stays in play, it's very hard for them to get threats that actually matter. It's really only delver of secrets. And this, I guess, besides the void walker, too, I mean, like you have a lot of extra disruption, I think. You know, Dark Confidant being a card advantage engine is really nice, but, like, I'm not used to seeing Opposition Agent in the main deck of decks and Legacy. Like, it's not something I would expect to play around. Yeah, so the Opposition Agents are definitely a newer addition to the deck. Um, so, uh, Medvedev, who was the first... What, like, who was the person who won the challenge, was also the first person I saw playing the Opposition Agents in this deck. You have seen the main deck opposition agents in um, the Mono Black Curses deck, and mm -hmm. there's there was another like Mono Black Stompy deck that was playing him, and so I think we kind of borrowed that idea from there. They were sudden edicts before in that slot, but I I don't think the sudden edicts were super necessary, and I guess this player agreed. The opposition agents can be really brutal. <laughs> Sometimes they don't matter at all, but and against a lot of the decks right now, you know, they're really good against fetch lands. They're really good against opposing dark depth strategies. Like this card is beating against my deck. It is like yeah. <laughs> crop rotation. Ugh! Don't get me started on how bad that feels. Well, another thing that I'm kind of seeing here too is you have the. Uh, Earth of Saga in this in this build too, and you, you don't normally see that in a green white build or a green black build. Um, how has Earth of Saga been performing in this deck, and what what kind of does that what does that open up for a deck like this? Uh, so I will say that the newer iterations of green black are playing Earth of Saga, but the mana is okay. also much rougher in those decks, largely in part because of the Earth of Saga. They're very powerful, but it can make things inconsistent. In this deck, since you're only one color. The Urza Sagas are, you know, they're not technically free, but they feel kind of free. They really don't impact your colors all that much. Every now and again, you run into issues where you're like, okay, I need double black for a vampire hex page, and I have this stupid Urza Saga. But they give you a lot of upside. Um, being mono black, you don't have a lot of ways to tutor for stuff. So them finding Expedition Map gives you a slow path to getting a Dark Depths or Thespian Sage if something were to happen to your first Merrillage. They also can let you get Pithy Needle, so you can Pithy Needle Wasteland, which can also be a problem for this deck. And then 
Also, Shadow Spear can be huge with the life loss from the Dark Confidants. I actually lost a game earlier this week because my Dark Confidants killed me. Hmm. So having a, having a way to negate that is kind of good. Uh, additionally, they're just, you know, another angle of attack. Ursa Saga is a good card. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you all heard that one before, but mm-hmm. there's plenty of times where you just make constructs and go to town, and that's the game. Yeah, I think with this build too, which something another thing I'm not really used to, the fact that you do have four copies of Expedition Map, four copies of Pithing Needle, and the one Shadow Spear, like that is a lot of incidental artifacts that you have and can put in play to make those constructs a little larger than they would be. Uh, naturally, you're going through the route of just making a construct on turn two, making a construct on turn three, and like getting one. Now you have two three threes. So yay! Um, this actually does allow you to have some kind of beefy creatures a little earlier in the game. Uh, so, what? Why would you play this instead of the green black version or the green white version? I, I think those decks obviously you've been a big proponent of the green white version, and I know you've played the green black version somewhat recently and you know for a period of time like why would i play the mono black version instead of either of those two so the decks just kind of do different things like green white and green black are both decks that really want to put a merit age into play but they are very different at the same time they don't feel remotely the same i will say this deck feels a lot closer to green black having those super fast available supports Starts of turn one, Urborg Thoughtseize, turn two, Dark Depths, Vampire Hex Mage, up, you're dead. Definitely Mm -hmm. harkens back to green black. So, one of the things that's nice about this build is it feels a little bit better against Delver. Uh, And I would argue that this build is probably less powerful, like not having crop rotation is kind of a huge drawback. Crop rotation's really good, but crop rotation against Force of Will and Daze and Spell Pierce and Fluster Storm and Force of Negation can feel really bad. Um, so just having this kind of more almost consistent way of just kind of doing your thing feels pretty good in that matchup. Uh, having the Jossie Voidwalkers is also, like I mentioned, really good against Delver. So there, there's a lot this deck has going for it. There's also, you know, a little bit of people don't know how to play against this deck yet, so that's always strong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just leading with, with discard before you go for the combo can be so huge sometimes. And having a build like this makes you much better against combo decks than green-white. Like, green-white struggles against a lot of spell-based combo decks, but there's plenty of times where you're playing this build where you're just like, turn one thought sees you. Turn two, duress you thought sees you. And then it can be kind of hard for them to recover. Meanwhile, you have maybe an Ursa Saga out, and you're already applying pressure now. Yeah, I think the four duress and four thought sees main deck definitely is a, a, a big push, especially, you know, we've been seeing a lot of like, Storm and things like that doing, I think, well in the past couple weeks. Um, the Epic Gamble, I know, has, uh, I think, made top eight of this actual legacy challenge that you know men have won so i think having access to discard i think is is really good especially since it it feels like it's very much lacking right now in the legacy format yeah i will say eight discard is a lot um mm-hmm. i think back historically i used to always play 
around six or seven discard spells in green black. Uh, I'm not saying that it's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying what I used to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I have personally cut back a couple of the discard spells, and it's been fine for me. But they, I mean, they are still good. Yeah. Uh, how about the thigh board? Um, we're seeing a copy of Cabal Coffers, Eye of Ugin, Caracas, a Torpor Orb, a couple Plague Engineers, uh, a full set of the Helm of Obedience and Leyline of the Void, and then one copy of Ember Cool, the Aeon's Torn. So what are we expecting to do with this sideboard? First, I want to say I love the sideboard. I don't know if it's good or not yet. I just know that I love it. It doesn't matter to <laughs> okay. me if it's good or not. So I can confidently say that the Cabal Coffers, Eye of Hugin, and Emrakul did come from Tony. So okay. I want to talk about that. But I think first, you know, let's talk about the Helm and Leyline because that's much easier. Um, mm. So there's going to be games where Merit Lage might not be the best approach. Whether it's like Jeskai Control, so they just have, you know, their four swords and plowshares, maybe some number of braves and borrowers, their prismatic endings, plus their teferis. It can just be hard to get through in those matchups. So just having kind of an extra way to, to win is really nice. And here that comes in terms of the helm or ley line. Um, and that can also be good against decks where they are focused on using their graveyard more, you can kind of just lean into the ley lines, and then it's almost free to bring in the helms. So I, I really like that. Um, and then the other package, the Cabal Coffers package, is for the games that go longer, again, think like Jeskai or any of the really like slow control decks that can kind of stop you from winning, but can't necessarily end the game. So with the four Urza Sagas, you're always going to find Expedition Map. And if you have the Cabal Coffers or the Eye of Ugin in play, already you can find the other. And the Cabal Coffers works really well with your Urborg, so all your lands are swamps. And you can easily generate a lot of mana. You can use the Eye to go find the Emrakul, and then you can play your Emrakul. And that that will end the game. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, putting a Merit Lage into play is not a great way to beat Control, Putting an Emrakul into play is a great way to beat anyone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, the, the the least surprising thing I think I've heard you say in a long time is that Tony Murata into play was like, you know what, we should play Emrakul. <laughs> um, yeah, and like, I, I think it's a really good idea. I mean, like this deck, like you kind of said, right? Like, I think it's not as fast and aggressive of a dark top strategy as, you know, the other builds might be, but... If it has the ability to um, go a little bit longer with with a blue red delver or something like that, um, I think something that allows it to scale up a little bit even further, I think, is really huge. And that's a really tight package that's really resilient, right? Like it's those decks that are grinding the long, long games. I think outside of like lands, right, are not going to be able to actually manage with a Cabal Coffers, an Eye of Ugin, or a Caracas, and definitely cannot beat an Emrakul. Uh, I think that's a really interesting way to approach that matchup. Yeah, I, I really like the thought behind it. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if it's good or not yet. I tried to bring it in once, um, and like an idiot, I left the Emrakul in the sideboard. 
Oh, so no. I just had to pull coffers, and I didn't even get in my deck. And they were not good without the Emrakul. They were not. I did draw I them see that. useless. But I can I imagine you trying to, like, hard hard mode, I <laughs> remove the ice counter from Dark Depth, though, with that. Yeah. <clears throat> I uh, I died before that, was <laughs> before that was relevant. But yeah, it was definitely not good without the Emrakul. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, but I, I really so, like this deck. I um I I experimented with a build where I was playing with the Leyline Helm package in the main as well. Okay. Um, and that went okay for me. My build was definitely off though, because I also had cards in the main and I did not have the ancient tombs. Mm. And okay. so my deck was very chunky and did not have the mana to support it. But, you know, playing that and playing... I, I've tried out the, the list that won. They both gave me some ideas that I'm definitely interested in trying it, and I want to work on this deck moving forward. I, I do think the deck is very good. Um, my record with it is quite positive. It's not, like, astronomical, and my sample size is small. But, you know, it's definitely winning for me, and it feels very good. Like, if you look at the deck, it kind of looks like a joke on the surface, but it is actually very powerful. Um, the package that I'm most interested in working on more moving forward, though, is I played with Painter Servant and Grindstone in the deck, and that was very impressive hmm. to me, especially if you're going to add Ancient Tombs, because, you know, Ancient Tomb can just tap for Painter, and if you have two Ancient Tombs, then you have mana for the full combo. Uh, but... You don't need to go hard on that combo just because your Urza Sagas, which you already want to play, can find your grindstones. And then it's just kind of an additional angle of attack. It's just more things they have to worry about. Like, if you can kind of overload their removal, you can force something to to get through eventually, right? And yeah. So that, it was pretty good for me. So I'd definitely be interested in trying that more. And then I was also interested in playing at least a single copy of Lotus Petal, just to have some kind of mana you can find off of Grind... or not Grindstone, off of Urza Saga. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see this deck continue to evolve. I mean, like, one thing, the deck has been showing up the past, what, like, two, three weeks? Yeah. Um, so and you know, the fact that took down a challenge in that time, I think, is is a testament to how powerful the deck is. Or like you said before, maybe people just don't know how to play against it yet. So I'm kind of excited to see where this deck goes from here. Yeah. Oh, the other thing about Lotus Petal, if you play Lotus Petal, can you just mm -hmm. imagine the turn one where you go Lotus Petal resolves, Dark Ritual resolves, Thought sees your opponent. You see, <laughs> you see the coast is clear. You play a Vampire Hex Mage, you play your Dark Depths, you just have turn one Merrily, and you've already cleared the path. That, that would be sweet. <laughs> oh, You're not even asking for that many cards in your hand. No, there's four cards. Or five cards? Lotus Petal, Ritual, Thought Seize, or Duress, right? I mean, um, either one of those, and then, yeah, the five cards. It's not too bad. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we... Yeah, if you play with that, I definitely would like to jump in and 
uh, ride shotgun there. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, I, I probably right. will. Not not today. Um, I have other fun things lined up for today, but over over the week, I'll definitely be working on this list. Cool. Awesome. All right, let's move on to another deck. Um, actually, in the th- from the theme challenge, uh, this is uh, from Budakov. Uh, Teamer Delver. It's Boo. I mean, <laughs> okay, well, I don't know if you want to boo this deck necessarily. This seems kind of up your alley. Um, we've got some Dragon Rage Channelers. We've got Murktide Regent. You like all those cards. Expressive Iteration. Um, I mean, realistic. So this is the shell, I guess, of the blue-red list. We're not seeing any Delver Secrets, though. Uh, we're seeing Tarmogoyf and Uro in the main deck. We're also seeing some uh, a Life in the Loam in the main deck as well. Sideboard opens up some cute stuff for, like, Ancient Grudge and Collector Oof. I think this deck is actually an interesting spot. I think having these kind of more mid-rangey cards is not a bad plan of attack. I want it to be very clear that I do not like playing with Murktide Regent. Yes, that that is noted. For the record, people at home, Mapson does not like Murktide Regent. It has been noted. You may proceed. I actually do like all the, all the other cards in the deck, though. Yeah. Uh, Murktide is so miserable. Anyways, uh, this deck's really interesting to me. I'm kind of surprised to see Tarmogoyf as the two-drop of choice over something like Ledger Shredder. Because uh, I think mm-hmm. Ledger Shredder works really well with Uro. It works really well with Dragon's Rage Channeler. Although, I guess, Tarmogoyf also works well with Dragon's Rage Channeler. Um, yeah. I, mean, I think most cards work well with Dragon's Rage Channeler. It's just a good card. Mm-hmm. But I, I do like these kind of strategies where you take Delver and go a little bit bigger. Um, it's kind of always been my preference. Yeah, I think... The only thing, and I, I think you're right, like, I feel like there's a lot of tension on the graveyard with your Uro and your Murtide regions, and I feel like you would like to have something in your true drop spot that allows you to have more cards in your graveyard, and I think the conniving is a, is a really easy way to do that. Uh, I think the Life in the Loam is going to do some work there, right, being able to uh, dredge three, and I think being able to actually being able to connive and just dredge instead of... Um, actually doing that and then just discarding the life limb again sounds like a really good way to just to put a bunch of cards in your graveyard. Um, and also, that's just a free counter every time, right? It's literally just mill four, put a counter on your ledger shredder. So I I feel like that would have been a little bit better, but I, maybe there is a reason just having Tarmogoyf. I think having the, the beefy body might be worthwhile, but I think that having the flyer is more relevant. So I'm actually interested to see uh, where the decision for Tarmogoyf came from. Yeah, I mean, Ledger Shredder also does get quite beefy, to be clear. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think it's it's definitely an interesting deck. I mean, like, it's this is something I would definitely be interested in trying. Um, I guess it depends on. No, actually, I guess you can. I have all the car. I have all the lands at least that I need for this deck. So I could play this actually. So maybe I will. Do you own a Tiger? Uh, well, I guess for EDH. Well, for, um, oh, not in paper, not in paper, I own uh, Magic Online. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do own a Trop and Volks, and in paper I'm like, um, I'm trying to think, I don't have Uros, 
I don't have a taiga and I'm missing a trap. But I have everything else. Yeah, I have everything else besides those. So, I guess in paper I'm only... Gosh, only. It's probably a terrible thing to lead with. Uh, only like 600... Uh, $1,200 off. So... Um, in, in reality, right, I'm, I'm, I'm four cards off, though, right? I, I could very easily borrow those. And this, this is something I think I'd be interested in trying, at least. Um, I think I... I do agree with you, though. I think Ledger Shredder is just correct over Tarmogoyf, but maybe there is a reason to have Tarmogoyf instead of Ledger Shredder here. So they're not going super cheap on the spells. There's no Mishra's Bobbles, for instance, and they might have just thought, without those... Hey, how how often am I going to be double spelling? I still th like, especially not only do you not have the zero drop, you also have Ura, which is kind of expensive. I do think mm. you'll still be double spelling quite a bit, especially since Ura is just going to help you get more lands into play, especially with the life from the loam, and you know you still have like your dazes and your cantrips. So I, I still think double spelling is reasonable, and you would be triggering it often, but that could be part of the reason. I'm not sure. I actually would be down with cutting a the Narthet and cutting a. I'm trying to think. I think you can't cut a fetch here. I don't know if you necessarily want to cut a, a Volk, but like, I think cutting the Narthet for Bishop's Bobble like makes a lot of sense to me. Um, if you if you wanted to go from Tomagoyf to Ledger Shredder, like I think it just plays really nicely with Dragon Reach Channel, and I think Narthet's just kind of clunky at the at the three drop here. Yeah, I could get behind that. I think you're also lower on Narset than a lot of people in general, but I, I agree it doesn't necessarily make the most sense in this list. Hmm. So. I think Narset is often good when you're looking for more specific things, too. Um, when you're like, okay, I want like this card to answer this, I want this. Like, I think it's really good in a control shell. I don't think it's quite as good in Delver, where you kind of just want to see cards and you don't necessarily care what cards you're seeing yeah especially between the, the brainstorms and the ponders and now dragon rage channel like you see basically everything you're looking for like it's not an it's not an issue um you trying to find the one you know meltdown is the one that comes to mind right like i play two meltdowns in my deck will i ever find them verse eight cast yes i will find them verse eight cast um the biggest deterrent would be you know an opposing child of the void or something like that but assuming you're allowed to play your spells and move through your deck you are finding those cards really reliably so yeah, I don't know if that's exactly what you need here but once again I could I could be wrong I could be uh, missing the mark on what that card's doing for the deck I'm trying to think do I have all these cards I think I oh wait no I actually don't own Tarmogoyce I'm gonna say maybe I'll try this out this this week in paper I mean, I do have three Tarmogoyfs, exactly three, so if you want to borrow those, it's all you. Yeah, but it's awkward, because I saw you yesterday, and I won't necessarily see you again this week. <laughs> yeah. That's I realized I also had, like, I have your cooler. I was planning to return that yesterday, and then it didn't make it into the car. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Um, my wife wanted to grab the cooler to go to the like the beach she went to a bachelorette party last weekend she's like i'm like we we have a cooler we don't don't buy it just take the cooler with you and then she's like oh yeah yeah yeah. and she left and was like oh i forgot to grab the cooler and i was like oh man that's that's okay well, it's whatever well we'll it, it's not a big deal 
And then I was thinking about it, and I was like, is it even in storage? Like, and I went down to storage, and I didn't find it, and I was like, what happened to that thing? And I like, could not think of it. And then I was like, I feel like I gave it to somebody, but I don't know who I gave it to. So I'm glad you <laughs> you brought that up. Yeah, I've, I've had it for months now. And actually, uh, yeah. I mentioned my wife was away this weekend at a bachelorette party. Mm-hmm. It, it actually went to her bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't know if she knows that it's not ours. I don't know, man. If, I don't think she would have taken it. <laughs> she, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cooler, right? Like it, it has to do cooler stuff. Otherwise, it's kind of a waste. So I think she might have taken it anyways. I, I don't know. So I think if I had said, "Hey, that's not ours," she would not have. If I had said, "Hey, that's Billy's," she would have. Okay. Yeah, I for sure. I can see that. But she also would have brought it to the wedding to give it back to us. Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's jump over to this other deck, which is like, I don't know if, I don't know if it's just me, but this deck list seems kind of crazy. This is also top eight in the same challenge. This is like the most insane challenge I feel like I've seen in a very long time with these deck lists. Um, this is a Riddlesmith Containment Construct Storm deck from Killabees. Um, so if you're... I, don't, I honestly don't even know where to start. Let's start with um, Riddlesmith and Containment Construct, explaining what those cards do. Um, Riddlesmith, we've actually talked about it a list a couple times, right? I think you played a list with Riddlesmith That was one of the year. most fun decks I've ever played. Uh, for those who don't know, Riddlesmith is a 2-1 human artificer uh, for one, one generic and a blue from Scars of Mirrodin. Uh, whenever you cast a artifact spell you made it draw a card if you do discard a spell cool um playing this in this deck you also have containment construct which is actually a card i'm playing in uh, edh right now um uh it is a two generic for a two one as well um it's an artifact creature whenever you discard a card you may exile that card from your graveyard if you do you may play that card this turn so this allows you to actually just kind of draw and discard these zero mana artifacts while also um, getting you know drawing more cards with the riddlesmith um, still being able to cast them so this deck is playing a lot a lot of zero and one mana cost artifacts um just a quick rundown of the list uh chromox gusta's scepter lion's eye diamond lotus petal mishra's bauble mox opal earth's bauble uh pithing needle and retrofitter foundry such so a crazy amount of stuff um you do also have joyra which is another edh all-star uh joyra, joyra weatherlight captain um two generic a blue and a red uh for a human artificer uh whenever you cast a historic spell uh which is an artifact a legendary spell or a saga um you get to draw a card so um you it's very easy for you just to loot through your deck um they're really trying to abuse that containment construct synergy as much as possible with things like Breakthrough and Gamble, uh, Echo of Aeons. Also, like, there's a lot of just, like, really powerful card-drawing things here, and uh, the plan is that they're going to kill you with the Grape Shot eventually. This is a lot. I, I don't even know where to start with this deck. Like, I don't... It It's playing 10 lands, Mapson. Is that normal? <laughs> Um, I mean, nothing about the deck's really normal, right? It's really cool, no. though. 
Uh, I actually had not looked through the deck list from this weekend yet, and I missed that this one existed, so I'm glad you pointed it out. Um, The actual thing that's most interesting to me, though, is that there's no Artificer's Intuition. Like, that seems like a glaring omission, and I'm, you know, this person seems like they know what they're doing. (laughs) They want 5-1. but it's really surprising to me that that card's not in here because that just kind of guarantees that you can go infinite with your LED and your, um, uh, why am I blanking the name of it? The, the two drops. Uh, containment Construct. Yeah, that yeah. card. Yeah, we, we talked about Artificial Intuition on the show when this set came out, right? Um, it's a one generic and a blue for an enchantment. You can pay a blue and discard an artifact from your hand. Uh, Switch your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost one or less. Reveal that card and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Like we mentioned before, um, it, it does go infinite with uh, Construct and Lion's Eye Diamond. You can use that to uh, generate uh, infinite mana there. But I mean, so having the Riddlesmiths, you can still kind of chain through your deck very, very fast. Mm-hmm. So that that's definitely a neat concept. Uh, I really, I really like the one of Cheeky Joyra too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like in my mind, I was like, oh, this could be so easy to cast. And I'm like, well, you have one island and one mountain. Uh, but you do have, like, the, the chrome moxes. You have the lotus petals. You have the LEDs. You have the mox opals. Um, so it actually isn't terribly difficult to actually cast a Joyra. Uh, and I think pretty quickly. Like, I imagine this deck, you know, if you actually play it out, right, can probably win turn one, turn two, relatively easily, you know, without interaction. Yeah. Can we also just talk about, like, obviously we've mentioned Lion's Eye Diamond and Containment Construct go infinite if you have the Mm -hmm. intuition. But the synergy there, even without the intuition, is just so strong, right? The fact that you can actually use the... Because basically what what you're doing is you're turning the Lion's Eye Diamond into a Black Lotus. It's the easiest way to put it. And, Mm -hmm. no, that card is the most iconic card in magic for a reason it's uh very good <laughs> i don't i don't i don't know what else to say about it. it's just very good and so being able to actually use your lion's eye diamond mana to play the cards in your hand like you're gonna go off really fast and then with the echoes you know you wheel a couple of times you're gonna get to that grape shot really quick yeah and like that's one of those things when you are actually able to you know and just to illustrate a hand right like you have uh, Ancient Tomb, Construct, Joyra, two Lion's Eye Diamonds, and we'll say, I, I don't think it even matters at this point, but we're to say uh, a Chromox and a Urza's Bobble, right? Like, you can just Ancient Tomb, Construct, um, play the two, <laughs> um, play the two um, LEDs, um, discard your hand, all the cards go to exile, play the joyer from exile, play the artifacts and start drawing cards. Like, that's turn one. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, obviously you're going to have the force of will or the, I was going to say the, the force of negation, but I don't think you necessarily force of negation the, the LED in that spot. Like, I think it's, it's really easy just to start winning the game um, really, really easily. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show last week or not. I think I did. Um, like, I, I, I'm i building, like, the Thaldorn 
um, like CEDH deck. And Containment Construct has been one of those cards that I, in that deck, um, I've just been really, really shocked about about how powerful it is. You know, the synergy with LED is very obvious when you start playing with it. Um, but just being able to, you know, have the quote-unquote downside of having to discard a card through something like Riddlesmith or Bomat Courier, which is the one up in this deck, or Breakthrough, and really it not mattering. Like, the Breakthrough having just one blue, I'm going to draw four cards and then discard all my cards. Uh-oh, but they're all in exile and I can cast them now. It's, like, actually insane. Um, there's there's a lot of really cool synergies that kind of revolve around Containment Construct. It definitely it seems like a really unassuming card, but it, it's very powerful every time I've seen it. Yeah. The other thing that's really standing out to me as being kind of cool is the synergy with like the Construct, um, Echo, and Chromebox. Like, that's such a... It feels like kind of a small thing, but also very big. Right, like you can have this chrome box in your hand, not have the cards to imprint on it. Maybe your hand is seven artifacts, but let's say you're able to uh, spin the echo. Then all of a sudden, now you have this chrome box in exile. You have one of the useless cards in your new hand, and you can actually get mana off of it. And I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other thing that I think makes it even better is that the construct is a May ability. So like. You can actually make sure that the Echo actually does go to your graveyard where it belongs, or where you want it, right, nine times out of ten, instead of going back into Exile where it costs six mana. Uh, it just... Yeah, I think this deck seems really, really cool. Maybe I'll play the set F in him instead, <laughs> instead of the right deck. Yeah, oh, well, playing it online seems like it would be miserable. Uh, you can play it the be right deck online. online. I don't know, I don't think this would be too bad. There's no way that this is fun to play online. I just every, every like it's going to ask you for every card what you want to do with it, and by the time oh. I've discarded four cards, I'm going to want to punch something. Fair, possibly. Um, also, have you ever heard of Gusta's Chep- uh, Scepter? Absolutely not. Why would you even ask me that? <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, uh, Gust- Gusta's Scepter. Um, is a zero mana artifact. Um, you can tap it and exile a card from your hand face down. You can look for it as, look at it for as long as it's exiled. <clears throat> you can tap return a card you own exiled with the scepter to your hand. And when you lose control of the scepter, you put all cards exiled with the scepter into their owner's graveyards. So that's that's a normal magic card. That people know what it... I've literally never... I don't even know what set this is from. Um, it's from Alliances. That kind of tracks. What a weird card. Okay. Interesting deck. I'm, this is another deck I'm just really interested to see. I would really like to play some games with this. Um, one thing, I, I have an affinity for decks that just say trigger, 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 trigger. So this is definitely something I'd be interested in playing. Alright, um, let's jump out of Legacy, jump into Modern. Um, this deck I know we talked about a couple weeks ago, but I think it's a, a good time to revisit it. Um, how I have the... I guess I, I want to call them, like, Vivian Pod decks. Uh, 
maybe it's probably more accurate to call them Feldar Sahili decks because I guess really what's winning with the game, but I mean most people are on Sahili, so I like calling it the Vivian Pod. Okay, so um, for those who haven't seen this deck, it really is playing Vivian on the hunt uh, in combination with Plain Bound Apprentice to or Accomplice rather to kind of get that ball rolling a little bit faster sometimes. Um, Vivian allows you to essentially assemble a loop between uh, Felidar Guardian and Kiki Jiki to eventually just make infinite one fours to to win the game. Um, with I don't want to say convoluted probably is not the correct word, but an, a, an interesting line between like Renegade Rallyer and Karmic Guide and um, you know the some builds are playing Sahili, so you do have that that option as well, but. It's a, it's basically a pod deck for anyone who's been playing for a couple, um, for a decade or so in modern. Yeah, these decks are cool. I one thing that I really like about them is that they seem to have diverged into multiple different thought processes, much much like Pod did back in its heyday, right? Like there was mm-hmm. Kiki Pod, and then there was what Malira Pod were the two decks. Yeah. Um, and so you, you do have the versions like this, where you just kind of play four-color value stuff. Um, and then I think even within the versions, people haven't really come to a conclusion on what's right or wrong. Like, I know you pulled up uh, a list to look at by Kihara Works that happens to be playing Yorian, and mm-hmm. I mean, that makes sense to me, right? Like, you're playing Renegade Rally and Follow Dark Guardian and Karmic Guide and all of these cards really benefit very much from being bounced and getting an additional ETP. But then you also have people playing 60-card versions. And I know that's not a big difference, but you know it does make you a little bit more consistent, but you do give up the power of Yorian, so I think that's kind of worth noting. You have some people that are playing with Sahili Rai, some people aren't. Um, you can definitely make the argument, okay, well... You're playing with Felidar Guardian, and you're already in those colors, so like it's kind of free. But mm. Sahili is not a good card. Like I, I don't. You laugh, but have you ever have you ever actually played with the card in anything? I have played it with it in limited, where it was pretty decent. But I've not played with it in constructed now. So playing with it in constructed is interesting because its plus is very weak. It, like, mm-hmm. I think it is the weakest plus of any playable Planeswalker. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, it's For those at home, it's a plus one, scry one, and then Sahili deals one damage to each opponent. So, you would just never play a card that does that. Like, for three mana, do that every turn. You would never mm-hmm. play that card. But then you just have this upside of, oh, hey, sometimes... I just win the game on the spot. Which is a, a very big upside. Yeah, and like, yeah, honestly, being able to copy some of these cards, I mean, like a Solitude in a pinch is not the worst thing to be doing. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily be minding copying, like, I think it can copy non, uh, legendary things, right? Yeah, so you can copy, like, a Yorian just to get the trigger, which I think would be insane value too but like obviously like you mentioned just copying a Feldar Guardian winning the game is also pretty good yeah um, but like I said there's a lot of times you play it and 
it's kind of the worst thing that you're playing. Especially, you know, like you said, copying stuff can be good, but if it's not sticking around, it's just not always particularly impactful. And it's not something that is very easy for you to use that ability a lot. Mm-hmm. The card just, it doesn't protect itself in the way that Planeswalkers typically do. I mean, copying Solitude is a great way of protecting itself, but copying, like, an Omnath, it's like, okay, yeah, you drew a card that's really good, but, yeah, minus two to draw a card, and then you didn't really advance your board at all. It's just kind of weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, the... I don't want to say, like, the downside of this deck, too, is that you're playing a bunch of things that don't necessarily need to be copied. Uh, like, you can minus two to copy a Birds of Paradise, so you get to use a minus two as, like, kind of a Lotus Petal, which is, like, not the worst. Um, and I think something, copying something like a Karmic Guide is very good, but, like, you know, I think between the uh, Arbor Elf, uh, Birds of Paradise, Plain Brown Accomplice... There, there are definitely some duds in there if you're if you're trying to copy them. Yeah. So I, I like that. It seems like a good number of people have landed on two. Kind of lets you have that like oh, I win button while also not forcing you to play this card that again. So otherwise, just not the best. Um, but it yeah. it does also like kind of hurt to see four fellows our guardian and then just like not see four Sahili because it feels so kind of obvious almost. <laughs> Um, but so you have the versions like these and uh, they're very interesting I I really like the Oath of Nissa in this deck too I just want to call that out I know not everyone is on a full floor and you know I'm not saying four is definitely the number but I, I love seeing copies of that card that is I feel like it's the kind of card that more people should be playing and people are always like oh i i think i'll just whiff like i I don't know that'll be good and then every time i'm able to talk someone into playing it they come back to me they're like oh yeah that card was very good all day it's like yep it's just just a good card like i i was playing um it as one of an elementals and just finding what i needed or being able to fix my kind of rough mana so i could actually cast my teferi it's just all very good. Yeah, I mean, like, in a deck like this, and like Elementals is kind of the same thing, too. Like, the only things that doesn't hit are the two Prismatic Endings, the four Utopia Sprawls, and the other three Oath of Nisses. But everything else is a Planeswalker, a creature, or a land. So, like, your odds of hitting in your AD card deck are actually pretty high. And oh, what feels really good is on four mana, when you go... Second Oath of Nyssa, one legend rules out. Play Renegade Rally or bring back Oath of Nyssa. Oh, Ooh, I like that. Feels so good. Um, you know, you could argue that Omnath might be the stronger thing to do at four mana, but I don't care. Mine felt cooler. Yep. Um, uh, plus, I mean, like, it's nice to have another thing lying around for Urian to take advantage of. Um, not that Urian typically needs the help of getting more card advantage, but it, it is something that is at least going to be a cantrip for, for Yorian down the road. So, you know, we've been kind of focusing on this build, um, but there's also the build, I can't think of the player's name, but they copied it, like, two challenges in a row playing, like, a, kind of a red-green version of the deck that was, I mean, technically it was Naya, but it was really just a very light splash for the Felidar Guardians, the... Um, 
and the karmic guides, uh, but they were playing kind of a devoted druid version, right? And you got to have devoted druid plus um, Luxior to kind of go infinite mana, and then you got to play with Urza Sagas, you got to play with Karn. So when you had your infinite mana, you could go find a walking ballista, or you could do whatever. But Luxior is also just kind of good with planeswalkers, and it kind of gave you like the one package where, okay, I can go infinite mana, or my devoted druid can kind of just help me ramp into a Sahili if I don't have the planebound accomplice with me, or like in my hand. Um, mm -hmm. And it also, it also just meant like if you go turn two devoted druid on turn three, you now have the mana to play the planebound accomplice and activate it. And so I got to do that a couple times, and that felt really strong. Um, so I kind of like that there's kind of divergent trains of thought on how to play the deck. Yeah, and I think that that's this is one of those decks I think having a diversity among different decks, like you know, not having a consensus best version, something you have to be doing, makes it that much harder for people to actually play against you because once again, I, maybe it, I'm probably not going to be bringing in something like an Ancient Grudge against my opponent who is playing a bunch of creatures, right? But the second you say, oh, I've got a Stoneforge Mystic and I can go grab Luxier as there's a Devoted Druid, it's like, do I really want that now? Like, I'm, I'm going to bring in a removal either way, I, I know that, but like, maybe I do want like one Grudge in the deck somewhere just in case, like, and once again, it, you may not see that, you know, in game one, but it comes up in game two and they have the access to the Ancient Grudge, but they didn't bring it in because they don't know for sure if they even need it. So that's a huge advantage, the, just the diversity you see right now. I'm in the builds. Yeah. And one thing that I'm interested in is, like, to, this is kind of more of a thing for the original builds that we were talking about. Um, they remind me a lot of Kiki Chord. But, mm -hmm. you know, we don't see any kind of Chord of Calling effects. And I do wonder, like, will we see builds kind of ever change to include that? Do we not want to do that because the Nissa, or not Nissa, sorry, the Vivian takes up like too many spots and you just don't have room for the creatures? Um, you know, I, earlier we were talking and you kind of mentioned Imperial Recruiter, which could be something that could be good for this. Like if you don't have the Vivian for whatever reason, you can still kind of just slowly chain together the combo that way. I think that's interesting. Um, People don't necessarily play multiple copies of all the combo pieces. I think that's kind of interesting when we see that change. Like when I tried it out, I ended up losing a game where uh, my opponent was doing some stuff, and then as they passed back to me, they're like, okay, like, am I dead? And I was like, yep. And then I drew for turn, and I drew Kiki Jika. I was like, nope. <laughs> and I sat there for like, a minute, like, I definitely, if this was Camparia, like, I needed to be called on slow play. Um, mm. I was just in the tank, I was like, is there any way that I can win now? <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Um, and, you know, that's that's fine, and you're not always going to draw your one of. Mm. And just because you have two copies doesn't mean you can't draw both, but I, I do like having kind of that second copy in case something goes wrong, or like, what if somebody solitudes your kiki-jiki? Yeah. If they 
lightning bolts it, it's kind of whatever because you have the karmic guides. But if it's exiled, you're kind of just out of luck. So I really like having a bit more resiliency, which again is something that the Sahelioride package does, and that's something that the Devoted Droid package does. But I also do think it would be nice to just have two Kiki Jikis, have two Karmic Guides, have yeah. you know, you can just play four fellow Arcanians. It's good with your other cards anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think but like that's one of those things if you want to add core, which I'm not I'm not, I'm not opposed to, but I think that means you start trimming things like Utopia Thrall. Um, probably cutting back on things like Arbor Elf, adding in ignoble hierarchs into the deck to facilitate the red mana. Which, once again, I'm I'm okay with this build. It's just the deck ends up changing a little bit more. So the devoted Road version was playing ignoble hierarch it was Celeste Neal, by the way, which is I kind of like that name, so I just wanted to throw it out there. Um, okay, but I I do think the ignoble hierarch are kind of good for the deck anyways. Uh, potentially better than Utopia's Brawl. I don't know. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you're going down that path of going heavier red, you can also play with Season Pyromancer, which could be very good for your Court of Calling as well. I really oh, yeah. like the thought of that. Also kind of the synergy with the Karmic Guide, too. Ooh, yeah. I actually didn't even consider that. That is definitely a, a definitely a interesting build path. Maybe that is something to check out. Yeah, I, say, I guess Ignoble Hierarch also gives you access to black mana, so maybe you want something like Grist, which I think is pretty good with the high creature count. Maybe that's too cute, though. I don't think you think necessarily nice... want to play Grist. Well, I just think having something like... Because then at that point you have, I guess, the ability to cord for, for Grist as an interaction point in your Planeswalker deck, which I think is pretty good. Um, and if you're playing Oath of Nissa anyways, like, it's not like it's a, a big cost to have, like, one or two Grifts in the deck. Um, and I'm assuming you're still going to play, be playing Ren and Thick, so you can still tutor for black mana off a off a Overgrown Tomb or a um, Blood Crypt, something like that. Yeah, I think you've convinced me. It wasn't that, yeah. that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I still have very mixed feelings on Grist. I feel like whenever I play it, it's very lackluster. I'm like, oh, this isn't good. And then any time my opponents put it into play, I'm like, oh, this is the worst thing that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have so wildly different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those cards that, like, it comes down at the best opportunity every time when I play against it, but it's always awkward, and I have four of them in my hand when I when I play it. Um... I don't want to run way over, but I do want to talk about one more deck um, that I thought was kind of cool. Um, it's, I, I guess, a human pyre. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's a human's deck, but it's playing Pyre of Heroes, which, you know, speaking of birthing pod, right, it's essentially a birthing pod for tribal, right? Um, it is a two-minute art, two artifact from Call Time. Uh, you can pay two and tap it, sacrifice a creature... Uh, search your library for a creature card that shares a creature type with the sacrifice creature and has a converted mana cost that is equal to one plus that converted uh, creature's converted mana cost. Uh, put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library, activate this ability only anytime you can cast sorcery. So, essentially, Birthing Pod just for, for humans, 
uh, in this case, because you are playing all humans. Uh, you see a lot of things that we kind of associate with the humans deck uh, between Champion of the Parish, uh, Thal's Lieutenant. Um, you do see some newer additions, I guess, to this deck, though. Um, like Something like Meddling Mage and Charming Prince are not terribly new, but um, something like Adeline Resplendent Cathar uh, from uh, Midnight Hunt that makes it a appearance. We also see Extraction spe Specialist, which is a card I actually have never seen before. Um, it is a 3-mana, a 2-generic, and a white for a 3-2 with lifelink. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, return target creature with mana value 2 or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature can't attack or block for as long as you control Extraction Specialist. Um, I think that's actually really cool, just the fact that it allows you to have a little bit more interaction with your um, your pyre, a little more, you know, action. But you also are seeing that a monster of standard old Reflector Mage. You actually see one copy of Yawgmaw, uh, Thrain Physician in here, too. Like, it's, it's an interesting deck. Yawgmoth and Judith together is kind of cool. Oh yeah, I do love Judith. I hadn't um, hadn't considered them together before, even though mm -hmm. it, you know it seems kind of like they're made for each other. It seems really mm -hmm. fitting. Yeah, are there any good four drop humans other than Yogmoth? Other than Yogmoth, um, none that I can think of. Like I know there's um, is it Mortar Mordekanether or whatever his face is. I think he's a four drop. Maybe the three drop even. I don't I even know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's the it's blue. It's a um, man. I don't know. I've got I gotta look now. It's gonna drive me crazy. I'm sure there are a couple four mana, but like not not a ton. I think that you play in in modern at least. Yeah. I was just wondering for um, for pod considerations. Or pyre considerations, I should say. Like, I know a lot of the deck's uh, creatures are three drops, so kind of once you get to three, you can stop. Mm -hmm. But talking about extraction specialists, it got me thinking about another Streets of Dukupina card, um, Rafine Silencer. I don't know how much of the limited format you've played. Do you know Rafine Silencer? Uh, is that the one that steals activated abilities from creatures or the permanent in general? Mm, not that card. Um, mm. So Rafine Silencer is two and a black for a 1-1, one, one, and it connives, and then when it dies, a target creature gets minus X, minus X, where X was Rafine's um, power. Oh, okay. So I think that could be, and it is a human, um, and I think that could be something cool to kind of pyre away as like kind of a removal spell. Uh, quick glance for four drop humans in modern, uh, Avalanche Rider could be a thing. So I don't think you want Cart the Lion in this deck. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a couple, but not like a lot of big, big players. I'll say probably the nicest way to say it. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing I would write home about. Um, but I do like... Oh, well, actually, I guess... Um, guess a 
Glorious Resurrector is kind of a cool effect to have, right? It being uh, able to exile creature cards, so that'd be pretty good versus Yawgmaw decks. Chain or Nightmare Adept could also be sweet, <laughs> especially if you're already playing like Yawgmoth and uh, and Judith. Like, if your things are dying anyways, you can discard lands and replay them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Humaster the Fells isn't terrible. Okay, we're probably going too deep here, but I'm in for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I think they're. I think the idea is actually really nice, though. I like at the at the very least, you're just a humans deck, which I don't think is terrible, but I think being able to level up like a, a noble hierarch into a Thalia's lieutenant, or maybe you get rid of that extra Thalia guardian of Thraben and put turn that into a Judith or an Adeline, I think it's not terrible either. Um, and I actually like the idea of just, you know, saying I've got, we'll say, meddling mage. I don't think I need that anymore. Or maybe, you know, I, I named it on say search for tomorrow early in the game now i don't need it anymore so let's get rid of meddling mage we'll go get extraction specialist we'll get back meddling mage and now i'm going to name scape shift like i think that's a really cool interaction there too that is uh cool Are you still looking for other humans <laughs> i uh, sorry i uh am like and now i'm just like thinking about red black cards that are cool i'm just like i just kind of want to build like a rakdos pyre deck i feel like a casual player all over again i'm just like i just want to build my theme deck and have fun yeah that's fair it does seem fun you can play pn uh kieran nalar oh i do like that card and i have an altered one i have a chance to shine could play oh wait no that card would not be good in that deck but in the sack deck lizolda the blood witch Oh, I do like that card. And you just get to play body proper. There's so many bangers you get to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I'm straying too far from, <laughs> from the original yes. topic. But um, I guess the important thing here is that the deck actually does seem like it has legs. Um, also, it's relatively cheap. Um, if you're someone who's playing Magical Nine and doesn't have like a a huge account. It's 150 ticks for this this version that we're looking at. Uh, once he had top aided a challenge this last weekend, so like that's not the worst thing. The, the Saturday challenge for anyone interested. So I mean, like that's a that's a nice budget option if you're getting into Magical Online. Um, and you know, I, I think humans in particular, I think historically has had a really nice array of sideboard options, and this is still the same where. You know, you can you get to play Cathar Commando and uh, Draineth Magistrate, uh, Lavinia, devastating in some matchups. Um, Think of Iron Vec, which is my favorite, least favorite card. Um, I hate that card so much. I just like always play decks that just die to Think of Iron Vec, just who I am as a human being. So, uh, but uh, even Magus of the Moon, though, I think is, is interesting. And being able to, you know, pilot into that, I think is really cool. Yeah, Magus of the Moon is such a beating, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really good card. All right, well, I think we've looked at a good number of deck lists here. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. All right, cool. Uh, well, where can people find you, then? 
Uh, people can find me at Expedition Map, various places online. Where can people find you? You can find me at Bad Luck Bandit on Twitter. If you're interested in finding the show, we are at Depth Underscore Podcast on Twitter. Uh, in the beginning of the show, you hear this little uh, bumper with different ways to support us. If you're interested in finding any of those links that is on our Twitter page, um, in our link trees, you can find all of our you know, Patreon, uh, PayPal, our YouTube, all those different links are all there. So, yeah. All right, cool. I guess I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right, bye. Thank you.